Hey folks, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy. And today I have Rich Fetke joining me, uh, who I met at a real estate conference out in Maui. And we have some mutual friends, a couple of patients I work with that are really tight with uh, Rich and his wife. And so I was introduced to Rich and immediately I just saw this dude, super jacked, really fit guy. And um, you know he's been in the real estate game for a while. He's been in the fitness game for a while. And he's got a lot of a lot of mutual interest as uh, as I do. So I thought, Rich, got to come on the show, dude. I'd love to pick your brain. He's uh, he's wrote a couple awesome books: The Wise Investor, uh, which we were just talking about before this. We'll dive into today. Extreme Success, and he's done a lot. He's he's the co-founder of Real Real Wealth, which helps people uh, find cash flowing income properties and really achieve financial freedom. He also has been a coach for a long time, and he's been a pioneer in the business and personal coaching space. He's done a lot there, and he holds master certified coaching credentials. And I mean, this guy's bio is extensive. He's been on all the different TV networks and NPR radio and all sorts of uh, of places. Uh, and so he's got a lot of wisdom to share. So Rich, thanks for thanks for joining me, brother. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. I have a lot of respect for you, man. And uh Really looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to it, and I'm glad that we had to reschedule because it was going to be before we got to hang out at the Better Marriage Retreat. So got to know you even deeper level there. So awesome. I'm stoked. Yeah, man. So uh, Rich lives up in Malibu, so I had him over, you know, him and his wife, Kathy, leading up to the conference. I'm glad you made it. We were able to uh, get to know each other a little better, and uh, it was it was definitely a good time during the during the conference. Absolutely. So yeah. I want to start with the, with the book, The Wise Investor. Um, sure. what, what inspired you to, to write this? Cause you, you did a very interesting thing where it's not exactly a traditional real estate book. You wrote it as more of a parable where it's, you know, brings in different characters and kind of goes through this life journey, which I read, uh, a lot of the summary and thought was pretty badass. So I'm curious to hear your, uh, inspiration for that. Yeah, I'm really excited about a wise investor. I'm super happy. You're right. Yeah, I mean that—that's the subtitle: a, a modern parable about creating financial freedom and living your best life. So it's about a holistic view toward wealth and wealth building, and that's why we called our company Real Wealth because we just don't think that only focusing on money is going to get you what you want in life. It's like so many different things. Coming from a health background. Uh, I know that and coming from a health scare that I had 20 years ago, I also know that well about the importance of that. So I, you know, 20 years ago, I wrote that book, Extreme Success that you mentioned, uh, got a book deal with Simon & Schuster, and was just super stoked on that. And that was a regular nonfiction self-help type book, uh, really coaching focused. And then I read the stat that 98% of people do not finish a nonfiction book. They usually get to chapter two or three, and then they put move on to another book or get distracted or something like that. And I know it happens with me. So I wanted to write a book that people would finish, that people would be engaged in, and also something where I could communicate this message around creating financial freedom, living your best life. And so that's why I wrote a parable, something that would be engaging, fun, and take like information and emotionalize it. So it actually has a lasting impact for people. So that's why I did the parable format. Incredible, man. You, you touched on something that you shared with me, I, I think is uh, really worth bringing up is the health scare you had. Uh, I think you said it was 20 years ago. So what exactly happened uh, during the during this health scare? 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty much exactly 20 years ago. Um, I had just got signed that book deal with Simon and Schuster. I was, I had a thriving coaching practice. I was giving keynote speeches, like on top of my game, just feeling great. And then I was 58 years old. I mean, I'm sorry, I was 38 years old now I'm 59. <laughs> um, and so I noticed this freckle on my leg and went in to get it checked. And I mean, I have a lot of freckles, as you know, but this freckle is a weird one. Uh, and I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is the most deadliest form of skin cancer. Fine if you get surgery and you get it removed, uh, which I did, but they thought it had spread to my liver. And they, they saw four masses on my liver in several tests over time. And I met with an oncologist and he said, yeah, it looks, it looks like it spread to your liver. I'm like, what does that mean? And he said, it means you probably have about six months to live. It's, it's a very aggressive cancer. So it just rocked our world. We had a seven-year-old daughter. We had a three-year-old daughter at the time. Kathy was a stay-at-home mom. So it really turned our life upside down. It was a real kick in the gut. And so Kathy was the one who's, she's like, what am I going to do if you die? What am I going to do for finances and to make ends meet? So she's the one that got on this thing of like, what am I going to do here? And she started to seek out mentors and start to talk to people. And that's how she got turned on to real estate investing. Uh, the people that she was talking to had been investors and did well with it. And so that is what introduced us to um, real estate investing. That's what brought us to where we are today. Um, but thankfully, the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. Thank goodness. It was a miss. They call it a false positive. So I had a PET scan, which is the most advanced scan for uh, looking for cancer, as you probably know. Um, mm -hmm. But I had to wait three months for that scan. So it, it went from wow. a CT scan to an ultrasound, and then I had to wait for the PET scan. So not knowing that I was going to be around um, for three months, and they said I had six months, and it was like, I thought I had three months to live. So it was, it was a rough time. And it really opened my eyes up to a lot of things and really shifted the way the way I live life today. Yeah, I mean, that'll do it, man. Having a, yeah. a terminal diagnosis like that with such a short time horizon, young family, like that's, that's a, in hindsight, I'm sure such a blessing for you to have gotten this incredible news that it was a misdiagnosis and then have mm -hmm. this new lease on life. Cause you were, felt like you were facing your mortality. Like what, during this three month window, what type of stuff did you do? Like, as you thought this was the end of your days, were you, were you diving into like spiritual stuff? Were you just spending time with family? Were you still working, trying to get as much, you know, financial gain as you could before, you know, you couldn't like, what was your mindset there? there I mean, it was all over the place. And honestly, it was, I would say, and I even said this that Kathy booked a session with this guy who calls him a heal, uh, calls himself a healer. And so we had the session. And in that session, I told him, I said, you know, 70% of the time, I feel like I'm going to be fine. I'm going to survive this thing. And, but 30% of the time, I feel like I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be die. I'm going to die. And I end up crying and I'm missing my daughters and, you know, growing up and everything. And, and he looks at me really sternly and he says, I never want to hear that come out of your mouth again. From this point forward, whenever you think that, think I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be healed. I'm, I'm going to be a hundred percent. And it was an awesome mindset shift for me. I got a little pissed at him when he said it because I'm like, you know, how dare you, you know, to tell me how to think. But it, it sunk in. And the next day I was like, you know, what is it getting me that 30% worry? And so I shifted to whenever that little gremlin came in and said, you're going to die. I would just say, nope, I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to work out well. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to get over this. This test is going to show that I'm fine. 
And it really shifted my attitude and my hope, honestly, into a whole different thing. And so now I apply that to my life all over the place. <laughs> just that 100% conviction of it's going to work out. And it gives you so much more mental energy and focus and all. Uh, so, but, you know, to answer the question, it was, I was really putting my focus on my family, spending mm -hmm. as much time as I could with my, with my family and my kids, uh, talking to my mom every day and my dad every day. And, you know, just, just the, the not knowing was, was wild, but it really had me focused, but I don't know. I would, because of that belief, I was, you know, we had things pretty much aligned, set up, right. We had a trust in place and, you know, all our finances and I had written a letter and, you know, because I like to do adventure sports. So I had already written a sealed letter that said, only open this if Rich Fetke dies <laughs> and it had all the instructions of what to do and, and all that stuff in there. So I was prepared on that side of things. So I, I think all my focus just became spending people, uh, spending time with the people I love. Yeah. Yeah. It really identifies what, what really matters in life when you're, when you're facing that type of situation, man, that's incredible. How freaking stoked were you when you got the news that it was a false positive? Ooh, I mean, yeah, like when you said about the, the did you own a spiritual stuff? Um, Kathy's yeah. family is very Christian and they invited me on a Christian retreat. It was a three or four day retreat up in Big Sur. And so I went on that and I didn't grow up Christian. We just I've grown up Unitarian. Um, but going to that, it was um, you know, I was really saying, Okay, <laughs> here, here I am, you know, I'm I'm open to whatever. And it was in one of those meetings, my my phone rang and I ran outside to take the call because it was my doctor, and he said, I've got some really good news. The PET scan results are in. You are 100% cancer free. So wow. after the tears rolled down my cheeks, the first thing I did was call my mom. She was the most worried. So I called her and let her know. And then I called Kathy immediately after. And yeah, I was stoked. And I'm still stoked today. 20 years later, when anything happens, when we lose money in a deal, when someone tries to rip us off or does rip us off, which has happened and in traffic and some anything like that, I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm alive. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the things that used to bother me, the little things, it's just like, they, they just don't get me anymore. So that that's yeah, the blessing in it. It really is a, a blessing, man. And a lot of, it, you know, I heard something recently that uh, resonated with me, which is that all of our past experiences can be seen as an asset or a liability. Like it's up to us to interpret whether it was positive or negative. And we have that choice, even when mm -hmm. challenging things happen to us, even when shitty stuff happens. And you might say, man, how is like my dog getting hit by a car a blessing, Ryan? And, and there's situations where it can be hard to see what that really is bringing to you, but there's always going to be a positive component and a, a lesson to be learned and some sort of opportunity to uh, see past some of the, the downsides. And I think a lot of people, Rich, would be in that situation and say, dude, screw this doctor, screw the medical system. I can't believe they put this level of stress on my life for no reason with this, you know, improper diagnosis, rather than looking at it the way you did, which is like, man, I had an opportunity to really experience what it feels like to be at the end of my days. And now you have such a deeper level of gratitude, man, for, for every mm. day. Like every day is a win right now for you. It's a bonus. Every day is a win. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny what you say that about the assets and liabilities. Uh, the quote that most people call out in the wise investor, as far as their, their favorite and their favorite line, uh, the mentor says to his mentoree, he said, if something provides you income, health, happiness, or time, it's an asset. But if something costs you income, health, happiness, or time, it's a liability. 
So it's, it's like this expanded view on assets and liabilities that just like you said, it's like, you know, sometimes someone's a person's a liability in your life or anything yeah. like that, if it's costing you happiness or if it's costing you time. So just kind of a cool filter perspective to look at assets and liabilities. And it's a really good filter because you could be investing in a, in a quote unquote asset, but if it's causing you sleepless nights and tremendous amount of stress and distraction and headaches and even if it's making you a few bucks, it may be a liability because of the damage it's doing to your your life, you know, on a, just a personal, mental, and emotional level. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a coach say years ago to me, he, he always looks at things and he says, for the sake of what? You know, people mm -hmm. says people say like, I want to 10X my business. Really? For the sake of what? And they're like, oh. I don't know, because I because I should, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's it, get be very clear on for the sake of what before you take action on something big like that. Yeah, yeah. Goal honesty and goal clarity are key, man, as you're trying to figure out the the things that you want in life, because all so many of us just get these uh, preconceived ideas from society or parents or people around us where it's like, you, you should 10x your business, because that's what society says you should do is make as much money as humanly possible. But in the process, it's not always what the person wants and not always going to lead to the outcome that they actually are after deep, you know, deep down. Um, sure. So I, I love that mindset. I, I want to talk to you about the, why, you know, the, the real wealth concepts. Cause that's, that's your company now. And you, you shared with me before a little bit of what you guys do. I'd like you to talk about, you know, kind of what you do and then um, more, more so talk about what is real wealth. You know, what, what is this to you? I mean, our definition of real wealth and it's our purpose is helping people create real wealth. And it's been our purpose. We put a stake in the ground 20 years ago when we started the business. Part of that coming from my diagnosis and the fear of that. It's like, we don't want to help people just make a ton of money, but that's part of it. So we define real wealth as having the money, but also the freedom to live life on your own terms. And that's, so that's been our purpose in the last 20 years. That's our focus. So it's a, it's a holistic view on wealth. It's about having it, everything work, having the, the money and the freedom and the health and the relationships and all this. We actually have a real wealth assessment uh, that covers all these things, like 20 questions that people can you know go through the 20 questions. And at the end, you get a real wealth score. And most people who do it the first time, they, they're like a 50 or a 60. And then over time, you start to improve these different areas. It's definitely more leaning toward finances. It's like, do you have um, enough cash flow to be able to be job optional is one question. Do you have the right financial wealth building team in place to help you manage things? Um, but then it goes into you uh, into are you satisfied with your relationship with your significant other and romance? You know, what would you rate that on a scale of zero to five? And it goes through all these things around health and all that. And they get a real well score because and so the reason we did that and created this assessment is because we want to really see, are we really helping people? create real wealth. If that's our purpose and we can just say, oh yeah, we're helping people buy a lot of properties and all that, but are we really helping them create real wealth more than just money? So that's what that's all about. And so the way our company operates, it's we educate investors. We teach them how to invest in real estate, how to create passive income and monthly, monthly cash flow and to grow their wealth over time. And then we have property teams around the country that we vetted, that we've looked at their properties, that we've vetted their markets to make sure they're growing in emerging markets. And so right now, I think we have 17 property teams and different brokers and markets around the country. And so we educate investors and then we refer them to these property teams that we know that we trust because they're, they're experienced. 
And then um, our investors are able to acquire cash flowing properties for themselves. So they have the ownership. So they get to buy these investment properties, one to four units. Usually we do some other larger commercial stuff and multifamily stuff, but our main focus is single family investment properties where people can put together a portfolio that over time is just going to grow enough wealth where they be, they can have the freedom to live life on their own terms. It's such a unique value proposition, man, because what you see in this space is all these people doing syndication models where you get invest into their firm, but then they take a percentage of the equity and they take a percentage of the cash flow because they're finding the deal and they're vetting the deal and they're, you know, doing all the things right with the yeah. model you have. It's awesome because you're just setting people up for success to own their own properties, do their own thing. You guys aren't trying to take a piece of the pie. You're just like, let us teach you what to do and how to do it uh, so that you can crush it in this field, which is, which is really unique. I haven't heard of many, many people doing that. Yeah. It's just kind of evolved over time. You know, it's like Kathy started as a mortgage broker in real estate. And then, and we were having people saying, how are you investing out of state? So that's why we decided to, to form this network. And honestly, back then we were thinking, thought it was going to be a couple hundred people. And today it's over 70,000 people now, 70,000 wow. members at Real Wealth. And We've helped them acquire over 6,000 properties now and 1.2 billion worth of assets. It's like, uh, I look I look back on it and I'm like, wow, how did, how did this happen? It's pretty yeah. awesome. That's, dude, that's incredible. Wait, props to you guys. Way to go. And and uh, and to come back to the real wealth concept, I, I love the, the term or the definition that you have for this because it is very broad and holistic as it should be because all these areas of life are interconnected, right? And this is more of a health and wellness podcast, but in the past year, I've really started branching out and bringing on experts like yourself, Rich, who are really into real estate or investing or who mm. can talk more about relationships or can talk more about entrepreneurship and uh, starting businesses and all these different facets of life. Because at the end of the day, it's freaking hard to be healthy if you don't have the financial means like organic food and high quality supplementation and uh, all these different things that could be uh, valuable tools for someone on their health journey, yeah. they're not free. You know, none of this stuff is free. It's very expensive, you know, especially when you compare it to the, the, the processed junk food that's subsidized by the government compared nice. to like buying some wild caught sockeye salmon. It's like, dude, there's a massive discrepancy there for people to be able to afford this stuff. So that's one, two, it's really hard to be healthy if you hate your job, if you don't have any fulfillment, if you don't have any purpose, if there's no passion behind what you do every day, and you dislike your boss and your coworkers, and you work in these artificial junk lights surrounded by all these different uh, energy energies that are just bringing it down. It's like, dude, you could be eating perfect. You could be training like an animal. You could be sleeping well, but that's going to impact your health, you know, physical health as well as your mental health. Um, same thing with relationships. Like if you don't have a good marriage or a, a good partnership and you don't have a good dynamic with your family and you're constantly arguing, it's like, dude, that's going to really impact your your health and wellness. So uh, I've really branched things off because similar to you, I, I view all these things as interconnected because it's all part of the bigger picture of just improving your life and feeling awesome every day. And, and it's tough to do if you're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, stressing over your bills and stressing over how you're going to, you know, make ends meet. That's awesome. Yeah. I, f I feel like 
purpose wise, that's my purpose is it's like, it's not just helping people get rich. It's that whole thing. I mean, that's why I wove that into the story. That's why the subtitle is uh, living your best life because it's not just about financial freedom. And yeah, you'll see when, when you read the book or listen to it, um, there's definitely a, a weaves through the whole thing, the health thing, the relationship, being a better partner with your spouse. As you know, when I was coaching a lot, I'd often pull out a life wheel at that initial session. And most of my clients were um, salespeople or CEOs or entrepreneurs. And they'd be like, oh, no, no, I want to, I hired you to help me grow my business and make more profits. And I'm like, oh yeah, we'll definitely work on that. And if you don't take care of this thing called significant other, you could lose half those assets, right? Yeah. And if you don't take care of this area called health and fitness, you could leave, lose 100% of those assets. So, so it's, and people will usually be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes no, you're sense. Right. You're right. It works. It works both ways. Like it, a similar parallels. A lot of patients will come to me, Rich, and they'll want to improve, let's say, their digestive function, or in, improve their testosterone, or in, improve their sleep quality, or any number of other examples. And as I start working with them on all these things, they're realizing, like, oh my gosh, man, they're crushing it in their business because they have more energy. They're showing up, and they're they're focused. Their presence, mm, their their point. cognitive function is on point. They're recovering better at night, their communication skills, their executive function, their creative thinking, all that comes back to your physiology. You know, so if you're if you have all these neurochemical imbalances and your gut's a mess and you're chronically fatigued, it's like good luck growing your company or building, you know, an amazing business. It's going to it's going to be a challenge if you feel like shit every day. Absolutely. So it's the same kind of thing, man. Same kind of concept. I want to talk a little bit about the health stuff with you because Man, I saw this video uh, of Rich, and it was in your younger days when you were into uh, powerlifting, and it is the most <laughs> when I had a full video mullet. on the internet. Yeah, full mullet. What was that? Was that the '80s or the '90s? That was the late '80s. Yeah, I think it was 1989. Yeah, okay, and 1990. Yeah, I'm gonna link it up in the show notes because this is ep- this is just one of the most epic videos on the, on the internet right now. <laughs> it's so awesome, Rich. And uh, you were doing a powerlifting competition and I mean, benching an ungodly amount. What was it? Four, 450 or 480. Yeah. 480, which is insane to bench press 480. I mean, that's, that's absolutely wild. Um, so talk to me about your fitness journey. Like what got you into powerlifting at a young age? Cause I think you were in your twenties at the time. And, and where did you go from there? Cause I know you'd mentioned that you had a chain of gyms and you were actually in the fitness industry for a period of time. So I'm curious to hear your, your journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, it started when I was about 17. I was a junior in high school and I was getting the crap beat out of me by this high school bully. Every day I'd go to gym class and he would just pound on me. And he was a tough kid and a scary kid. He used to just punch me in the, each arm over and over and over. And I had these massive bruises. I started to like pretend I was sick. So I'd go to the nurse, nurse's office. And, and honestly, one day I was just, I was playing racquetball with my mom and I was feeling just so good and feel so safe. And I just broke down in tears and she's like, what's going on? And I pull my sleeves up and her face was just like, Ooh, <laughs> mother, mother energy. Uh, so it was that it was getting bullied from me that sent me into weightlifting. I'm like that summer, I started to do martial arts and started to weight train to defend myself in senior year. And I started to get built and um, just felt good. And then that next, I went back into senior year and there was this kid, Mike Padgett was his name. He comes up to me. He's like, 
Fedke, you're looking good, man. It's like all of a sudden I just dropped it all. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't see like challenge him or anything back. And it was just like, you know, whatever. So that was my journey into weightlifting. And then I just got addicted to it. It just was, it taught me discipline. It taught me goal setting, taught me visualization of how I wanted to look. You know, Arnold was a huge influence, of course, a big idol. So, so many other things of his focus on goal setting. And that carried over and I started to compete in bodybuilding. So I was a competitive bodybuilder for 10 years and I opened up a world gym franchise in the Boston areas where I grew up. And that just, that led me to business and um, learning about business, getting certified as a personal fitness trainer and a lifestyle and weight management consultant. So yeah, fitness has been a huge part of my life and, and still is it's, it changed my life, honestly. Yeah, no, it's it's such a catalyst, man. I've noticed that in myself and in many others of just, like you said, teaching you those principles that you can apply outside of the gym of, of how perseverance and hard work and dedication and commitment and consistency drive results. And you, so you yeah. see it in your physical body and then you apply that to any other number of examples in business or investing or relationships. And you realize like, wow, this is, this is how you have a great life. You put in the freaking work. And, and it's Absolutely. awesome how, how fitness really drives that. So what, what's your fitness routine looking like now, you know, 30, 30 plus years later, cause you still look freaking great, man. You still, <laughs> still got you. a lot of muscle. You're still a strong, strong dude. Um, I appreciate what, that. how many days a week do you lift? What, you know, talk us through a little bit of uh, your, your kind of weekly routine on the, on the fitness side. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just one thing I love is, um, Gabrielle Odigen's work and, um, uh, just all about willpower and self-discipline and all that. And it just, it, it, there's so many, so much cool research around it that how we can actually change our brain and develop our willpower. So, so it's huge. And so I'm a very rich ritualistic type discipline guy, always trying to do things to build my discipline. So um, it's up at 5.00 AM out of bed at the first alarm, then it's meditation. And I go right into um, my, I got a, built out two car garage that I've built a gym in. Uh, so it is starting with physical therapy stuff for my shoulders from those days of benching 480. I got kind of ruined my shoulders. And uh, so I rehab them, I do some lower back stuff. And then I get jump into the cold plunge. I usually do it at 42 degrees for about four minutes to five minutes. Uh, do the cold plunge, get out, jump on the assault bike to um, warm things up again. And then I usually pick one body part and I just focus on that and what I've been doing lately. And so I do that five, six days a week uh, consistently every morning. And what I do is this is kind of newer for me. I've done, been doing it for about three months is I've been doing this cool thing where I'm like mixing it up from like calisthenics, from handstand push-ups to um, pull-ups and whatever set I do, I'll do a set. And then I jump on the assault bike for 10 calories. And then I jump into another set of that same body part and jump on the assault bike for 10 calories and usually takes me 20, 30 minutes max. And I'm toasted and fried and it's been working great. I feel I'm stronger than ever. Um, it's helped me get leaner. All that stuff is it's just been really working. And then on that's on the kind of the training side, and then I love adventures. So I love rock climbing, surfing. Like I was saying, I surfed this morning. Um, I love mountain biking and I love skiing. So those are like the, those are my get outside and plays. And I try to do that four times a week, some type of get outside and play activity. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so epic. Great routine, by the way. And we, we got to link up for a surf. Maybe we meet, we meet halfway at like trestles or something and, and paddle out one of these days, Rich. 
Absolutely. Uh, I've been an avid surfer for for the last decade plus, and uh, you know it'd be it'd be great to get get on some waves. I'll have to tell yeah. you about a, a surf trip I have coming up to Costa Rica. You might be interested in later this year. Ooh, um, but, love Costa Rica. Been there but, a bunch uh, for surfing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On on the fitness routine side, that's there's a huge benefit to doing the cold plunge pre training, which you might be aware of. Like in the way it just surges your natural testosterone production and really helps with a lot of these different functions. Do you do any hot after like, do you, do you jump in the sauna or anything after you train? After um, you- got a sauna that's getting built, right? Well, I'm going to build this on. It's a barrel sauna, six person. Uh, right now the guys are out there making a level pad for it in our yard and nice. it's, uh, it's going to be awesome. So yeah, gets up to 195 degrees. So that's going to be the, that's the next phase based on research. And, Have you yeah. read the book outlive yet? Yeah. Um, I I've skimmed through it. I haven't detail. I haven't dove in too deep into it, but, uh, uh, Peter, Peter Atia is, is, uh, is one of the guys in that longevity space. That's fantastic. And then mm-hmm. outlive, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's dense. I'll say that it's, it's, it's not dense. I did the audio book. It's like a 15 yeah. hour audio book. And, but yeah. that's the one where I also got the, uh, got the uh, hardcover it's on the shelf behind me uh just because of all the charts and all that stuff but anyway between that and huberman i've learned so much about that and just trying to incorporate from you know this the hot and cold and and honestly what i've learned from you too (laughs) especially on brandon's podcast you got a lot of good stuff in there about the hot and cold therapy and the importance of it yeah it just makes you feel like a million bucks man it's hard to beat the high that you get when you get yourself cold, you train hard, you sweat it out. And I mean, it's the trifecta. I've, I've found yeah. tremendous benefit in that. And are you training like this, like the the 30 minute kind of intense, almost like a circuit style where you're combining the hypertrophy and the cardio intervals? Are you doing that like seven days a week? Like you you crush that most mornings? Um, yeah, most mornings, I would say it's like, like this morning, I didn't um, because I went um, first light surfing session. So let's do something like that. And I'm just like, I, I skip the cold plunge. I skip the weight training and I just go right for the three hour surf session. And I'm like, that's yeah. good. That's getting yeah. outside. And but tomorrow I'll be right back in the gym. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really good, man. So I, at what point did you to switch gears from the health? Cause uh, I, I love it. You, you're got a really dialed in routine, but to switch back into your, your real estate journey. Um, so you had the health scare. It sounds like, you know, your wife, Kathy is the one that really got into it initially um, that you had mentioned, when, when did you start to kind of wake up and say, all right, I need to start investing in income properties and start getting some assets under my belt. Was that after the health scare that you really started pouring some of your yeah, assets? Yeah, it was into- right after the health scare. So, you know, we owned a house that we bought um, soon after we were married in 1997 and it was a large house. It was a big mortgage. So it was, it was like a 4,000 square foot house that was two level. So we house hack that way back when there wasn't a word called house hacking. Uh, and so we rented out the two lower units. And so that's how we learned about being landlords and being able to afford a, a mortgage like that and, and a home like that. And then that house appreciated that we bought in 1997. It was going up about $100,000 a year in value. So by the time that health scare happened and everything, and then once they gave me the all clear and it was a false diagnosis, then, you know, it was when Kathy had said, this is what I can do. Then that opened our eye. We we were in the mindset of like, well, we have to have a ton of money before. I always thought I was going to be a real estate investor. Um, 
for years, you know, it was kind of part in my uh, obituary that I wrote in a personal development workshop. I wrote, Rich Fetke dies 108 years old. He was a um, accomplished real estate investor, businessman, all this stuff. So, but we thought we had to have, have a whole bunch of money to invest. And then we learned other ways to do that. So we did a cash out refi on that property. We we're able to pull money out and then buy five investment properties uh, north of Dallas, Texas, in Rockwall, Texas. And that's what got us started with building a portfolio of single family homes. And so that's that. So we've been investing together since day one. And then Real Wealth is where the, the company, uh, I was chief support guy was my title in the beginning. So Kathy was very much the CEO. She was running the company. She was going and vetting the markets, meeting with property teams, meeting with other brokers, doing the strategy sessions with clients. And I was kind of behind the scenes, you know, editing the podcast, uh, creating the websites, doing, you know, setting up the CRM, all that stuff. So it wasn't until 2008 that Kathy had taken on a business partner. In addition to me, um, I wasn't really part of the business in that way. And this guy was not who he said he was going to be. So she came to me in 2008 and she's just like, I just can't be with him, this guy anymore. He's he, he's not delivering any value. He's telling me how to run things, which is not a good thing to tell Kathy. And uh, so I said, I can stop coaching clients if you want me to come on full time. And so I slowly just started to let my clients go, my coaching clients. And we became co-CEOs of Real Wealth. And um, yeah, just grew the company from there. What did you guys do during that time in the in the housing collapse back in 08, 09? I know that, you know, you you have a lot of, you know, strategies, I'm sure, as a coach with all the experience you've you've had working with clients of of just pushing through that fear and uncertainty and negativity when things are not going well. So I'm sure you encountered some of that as everyone did, you know. A lot of that. We yeah. got crushed. We got crushed. We lo we lost almost all of our properties. Wow. Um, we had a bunch of foreclosures. We had a, the home that we owned up in uh, the Bay Area. That one that I said went up so much. We did the cash out refi. We had to do a short sale on it, so we had to sell it for less than you know we had in it. So it it really crushed us because we didn't follow our own advice. We were telling people. Kathy had uh, Robert Kiyosaki on her podcast back then, and he had said, you know, this was two thousand, probably two thousand and. Five, I think that he was on our podcast and he said, sell your high price California properties and go invest in places like Texas. And so that's what we were saying to our members. And a lot of people were doing that or, you know, getting doing that, uh, selling their high priced uh, rentals in California. And what we didn't, we held on to our rentals in California and they're the ones that just crushed and they just it absolutely crushed us. So we learned the lesson the hard way. We rebuilt and we also learned the lesson of making sure you have enough cash reserves to control a property through a downturn. Make sure that you don't have negative cash flow properties, which we had a bunch of, but they were appreciating in value. So like everyone was playing the appreciation game back then. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. oh man, this property's going up and it's going to be worth this much in five years. And all of a sudden, completely different way. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's definitely, and, and so how'd you build back up from that? You just dove back into coaching and just increased your active income in order to continue investing? No, we kept, so we kept helping cause we had real well. So we kept helping um, our investors acquire properties in cash flowing markets. And then after 2008, 
all instead of new builds that we were helping people get into before that, all of a sudden there was all these foreclosures. So we connected with property teams that were buying these foreclosures in bulk from the bank, pennies on the dollar. They would come in, they'd fix it up, they'd get it all rent ready, they'd put a, client, uh, a tenant in place. And so they were awesome opportunities. So the honestly, real wealth started to grow faster and faster because of all these opportunities when people wanted to jump back into real estate investing or get into it because then it made sense. It yeah. made so much more sense because the value of properties, you could, you know, you could get cash flowing properties. And so we were helping our investors getting to the, get into these quality properties with quality property teams. And we were getting our broker referral fees for doing that, helping send investors to them. So it was a total win-win for the seller, win-win for the other broker, win-win for our members and investors and great for us. And it helped us get a, you know, build our cash flow up in our business. And as that business did better and better, uh, actually, then we went into growing so quickly and so solid that we made the Inc. 5000 uh, list of the America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row after that. Wow. So we, so wow. we really started to rebuild and took those lessons learned and stopped buying properties in California. We started to walk the talk and do what our what we were recommending. And so Kathy and I put together a portfolio of properties that made sense and that would cash flow over time and really rebuilt our wealth through that, through a cash flowing business and then investing smart. I love it. Yeah, I'm learning. I, I have a, I have all my properties in California, Rich, uh, but I've started selling some of them off uh, because of these exact reasons. And I think smart. it's a, it's a good time in the cycle, potentially. I guess we'll see what what the future holds here in the next few years. But um, yeah, I'm starting to take, I'm taking your advice, man. I'm offloading some of those and sold a couple earlier this year. I just put one on the market this week and putting that money to better use out of state. And uh, yeah, so you're doing 1031 exchange in those? Some of them, yes. Some of them, I'm Smart. just taking the gains and using some of the bonus depreciation from the new acquisition, the offset. Oh, smart. Yeah, there's always a way. There's always a way. It kind of evens out, evens yeah, out. Yeah, if but, you get the right advisors for sure. Yeah, yeah. It served me well, juicing all the appreciation we've gotten the past, you know, three years and, you know, started buying them back in 2015. So it was a good time to get in, in hindsight. But I think we've accelerated the the appreciation. We've kind of gotten like what I see is two you know, 10 years of growth in the past two years, you know, with just how much things have gone up through the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know how much more room there is for growth here in this market. Uh, might yeah, be better yeah. to switch to something with a little better cash flow. So that's been a little restructuring I've been doing. So what what's your guys' vision now at this stage in the game with real real wealth? Like, are you guys looking to continue to grow it? Are you and Kathy considering kind of taking a back seat and taking, you know, the foot off the gas as far as you guys, your, your own lifestyle and whatnot? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, continuing to grow, we are, we operate on the principles of conscious capitalism at Real Wealth. So it's more than just about making profits. Conscious capitalism is uh, coined by John Mackey, who is the CEO of Whole Foods and um, before they sold to to Amazon, but it's uh, it's this whole principle with conscious capitalism that there's more than one stakeholder. It's not just the investor. It's society. You know, all your business decisions. Uh, how does it affect society? How does it affect your partners that you do business with? How does it affect your your investors and your employees and your customers? So it's like this whole collective again. It's holistic approach to business, which I really love. 
So it's, we've never been about fast growth at Real Wealth. We've never tried to do the 10X thing or anything, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But for us, we've just wanted to grow healthy over time consistently. And so now our main focus is creating a self-managing business. So we have some amazing leaders that we've hired. Uh, our, we have a small team. It's about 20 employees, um, but we're kind of grooming and empowering them to really run the business. So Kathy can I, Kathy and I can really just kind of be in that owner's box where we own the business. And then we'll meet with our leadership team just once a quarter to just look at how are we doing? How are the numbers? Uh, what goals are you working on? What's the direction? Are you helping people create real wealth? Are you on purpose? Um, and so it just frees us up. And so we've been working on that. I would say the last, probably about the last five years, getting better and better. And we're almost at that place where, you know, it's it's getting run by our team and our leaders. So that that's the vision for the company. And that's incredible. And you guys plan to keep it as a cash flowing business. You don't have any intention of uh, selling it at one day or exiting the the company. I don't think so. We've thought about, we did have one offer um, and it was like, it was a good solid offer too. But as you know, we looked at that and, you know, he wanted us to work for him for him for a while. And uh, we both don't do too well with a boss and he just, yeah. he didn't have the vibe that matched our culture. So Got we it. decided not to. And then after that, we were like, do we really want to sell this business? And we're like, Probably not. We just rather have something that's a legacy that's making yeah. a difference. And, you know, our members just, they love real wealth and we've never charged for membership. It's always been free since day one. We, we decided way back then to be the anti-guru. We didn't want to do the high price back of the room sales and, you know, the pressure sales. So that's just the way we've operated. I love it. I love it. And you, you mentioned you have a couple kids. Are they in real estate? Are they working with the company? Do you have any interest in, you know, being a part of yeah, well, one, our older daughter, um, actually bought for her first house up in Chico. She went to Chico state and she bought that when she was 24 mm -hmm. and that did really well. And then she um, turned it into a rental and then she was able to sell it and buy a really nice house close to us here in Malibu. Um, wow. which is really cool. Cause we have a grandson. Now we have a granddaughter oh, on the way. So being able to have her close is awesome. And so she's an email marketing consultant. So she has her own company where she helps people with email marketing. And then our younger daughter who went to San Diego State, as I was telling you, mm -hmm. um, she came out with a business degree and she's doing all of our social media for Real Wealth and she's just crushing it. It's like our social media sucked before and now it's just phenomenal. She's you know, just growing our followers and the value and all that stuff. So, and she is also selling international real estate because she traveled the world after college, went to 30 different countries. And now she is uh, teamed up with her boyfriend. They're selling international real estate because she's oh, wow. got some connections over there. Um, and she just got her first big check. She got $20,000 in deposit into her account the other day. So her focus is like, how can I get my first investment property? So again, 24 years old, hoping that she can get her, her first property at 24 too. Dude, that's incredible. That is incredible. Well, Rich, this has been awesome, brother. Uh, I love this conversation where you mentioned the social media front, where, where can people go to learn more about what you're doing with, with real wealth and also follow along with what you got going on personally? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, just Rich Fetke is in, on all social media. Uh, our company is just Real Wealth. So realwealth.com, really simple. And same on social media. If you just look up Real Wealth Network is like Instagram and Facebook, Real Real Wealth Network. I'll be sure to put some links in the uh, in the notes for this episode, man. Really appreciate the time today, dude. Thank you, brother. It was great to be here with you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.